0: Block Talk Radio Are you ready for some hot, steamy conversation? <laughs> I don't know how steamy it is <laughs> yeah. My mother and I had a fantastic relationship even and I just want to share. Uh, yeah, I, I want to expound on that just quickly, because the real man... Good morning, and welcome to Coffee Talk. I'm Soy, host of the fastest growing online talk show, where we discuss real topics with real people in real situations. Good morning, good morning, good morning, and what a great morning it is. Happy Saturday, everyone, and welcome to Coffee Talk with Zoe, your new morning show where Real Talk happens every Saturday at 10 a.m. This morning, folks, we have a dynamite guest in the cafe today, and I'm just so excited about the things that he's going to share with you. So if you are one of those people, one of those men that have chosen the wrong woman, and you're trying to figure it out and trying to get it right, get on the right side, this is the show for you to tune in today. Choosing the right woman is our topic. Now, if you desire to share comments or just ask questions, please press 1 so we can get you in queue and get your comments on the air. So throughout the show today, it's going to be very interactive. We welcome you to call in with comments and questions for our guests in the studio this morning. So don't forget press one and we'll get you right in queue, get you right on the air with with me. I'm looking forward to some dialogue with our audience this morning. I want to remind you to download the app on your mobile devices or your iPad. Find Me under Coffee Talk with Soy It's a great tool It's a very convenient tool It allows you to just tap right onto the app So you don't have to remember to dial in You don't have to remember any other social media sites It's all right there Packaged for you Our guest today Is Mr. R.C. Blakes, Jr. He is the eldest son of the late Bishop Robert C. Blakes And Lady Lois Blakes He is the co pastor of New Home Family Worship Center in Louisiana and Texas. He has a Master's of Theology and Christian, I'm sorry, a Master's of Theology from Christian Bible College of Louisiana. Presiding Bishop of Family of Churches Fellowship International. He is the husband of Lisa Blakes and the father of four wonderful children. And if God's not enough, guys, he has published a book. He is an author and is a sought-after speaker, teacher, nationally and internationally. His empowered ministry has proven to be a blessing to thousands. He is a regular on various television networks. He is the co-host of a radio talk show as well entitled Dance With My Father. He and his wife Lisa have a nonprofit organization and ministry devoted to the empowerment of women called GEM, and that stands for Girls Empowerment Movement. Please welcome to the show, Mr. R. C. Blake's, who has been known for his teaching writing, which has described to be positive, practical and Prophetic. Good morning, R.C. How are you?
1: I am fantastic. I am honored. Uh, I feel blessed today to be able to address your audience and so thankful to have made the connection with you. It's really a blessing for me. Thank you for having me. Ah.
0: You know, and when, when, when God is in control, you know, there's nothing we can do about it because it's co-beneficial. I feel the same, and I feel so blessed to be able to have you on the show today, and I'm so excited. You know, I, I found you from your YouTube channels, and I have just been connected. I, feel, I, I listen to so much information and so much of your material. I feel like I know you already. How is that? Wow.
1: Wow. <laughs> that's that's powerful. Um, I, I believe, I really believe what comes from the heart reaches the heart. And, um, you know, that's just who I am Uh Whatever you might see on YouTube, social media, uh, in church, wherever I might be, uh, you know, it, it comes from the heart, and I think that's probably why we connected so well.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, thank God, thank God for that, for being in, in control. So let's let's talk about um, a little bit about where you're from, um, RC. It looks it looks like you have you're co pastoring two churches, Louisiana and Texas. Are you from those states?
1: Well, I was born and raised in New Orleans, Louisiana, and uh, I am for forever 504. Uh, but 10 years ago, when Hurricane Katrina hit, our congregation uh, obviously uh, divided and went to various parts of the country, and a great number of them landed in Houston, Texas. So as a consequence, we established a church in Houston, Texas, but actually our ministry consists of seven uh, locations uh, throughout Louisiana and Texas, and uh, I'm a second-generation pastor. My father, of course, you mentioned him. My brother and I work together to oversee uh, the ministry, the new home family of churches is what we call it, and uh, I live uh, between both states. My my wife and children are primarily planted in Houston. We decided to leave them there after the storm for educational purposes for the kids while I would move back and forth rebuilding New Orleans and, of course, establishing a new church in Houston. Uh, So I spend a lot of time in the air on airplanes. And uh, I love my life, though.
0: I love my life. Okay. Okay. So congratulations to uh to katrina i I saw on the news uh this week they were showing um different uh things that were going on and talking about you know celebrating the, the ten year um history that that has been so uh thank thank God for those who have been through the storm and who are surviving it so how how active or how much contact do you have with people who've been through the storm
1: oh well i I live with them every day you know between uh, New Orleans and Houston. Uh, most of our congregation is in Houston, is made up of uh, New Orleanians who transplanted, and of course, being here in New Orleans, which is the base of our ministry, uh, I get a chance to see the redevelopment, uh, the resurgence of New Orleans on a daily basis, and and it's been it's been something unprecedented. Uh, but it has also been it is also an unprecedented recovery and uh, a demonstration of resilience uh, on the part of uh New Orleanians to come back and hopefully to make our city better than it ever was before so i have contact on a daily basis i live i live this
0: uh, that's amazing. That that's amazing. And and, and talking about uh, being being a pastor and being a second generation pastor. When did you know that this was your your calling? You know that they say that we we develop into our spiritual growth. So when when did you know that this was for you?
1: I was seventeen years old. Uh, I was getting ready to not long from then graduate from high school. And I had determined, predetermined, that I would never be a preacher. In fact, about it, I was making plans to go away for college so that I could get away from church altogether, you know, because when you're the preacher's son, uh, it's no, it's not a matter of choice on Sunday morning if you're going to get up and go to church. It's, it's the law. And I uh, was 17 years old, had my plans all laid out, going away for college, get away from church. And there was just a an undeniable unction, really so much so that it sounded like an audible voice that said to me, you're, you're going to preach. You're going to be a preacher and a leader. And I was in church at the time, and I thought one of my relatives was playing a a joke on me. And I looked around, and no one was there where I thought I heard the voice come from.
0: Mm-hmm. And I felt an
1: overwhelming sense of God. And for the mm-hmm. first time in my, my young life at that time, I became emotional in church, and I got up, and I went and I told my father what um, what I had just heard in my heart in front of the congregation. And from there, God has just been molding me and developing me ever since. And I uh, thank God that he's, you know, I though I was the preacher Sunday, I often say that the preacher's kids are the worst. Uh, I think I lived up to that. I really do. I think I lived up to that. I was the worst member in the church. I was a a teenage father, obviously out of wedlock, and uh, just in a sort of a quiet rebellion, I suppose. I don't know if that's really quiet, but I was in rebellion. And um, I went through a lot. I kind of lost my youth because of rebellion, because of uh, disobedience. And um, now today, as a middle-aged man, all of those uh, what I consider then to be traumatic experiences are coming back to serve my ministry. Much of what I've gone through, all of the, all of what I've gone through is now becoming um, the wisdom that I share with other people. Uh, as I heard Bishop T.D. Jakes say many years ago, your misery becomes your ministry. And so now I, I really speak from a place of experience, I have no problem with being transparent. I have no problem with exposing my flaws, my history. My closet is wide open. There are no skeletons that are not revealed, and it's um, it's really proven to touch this generation and to impact people on a level uh, that changes them.
0: Mm. That's that's amazing. Thank thank God for second chances, huh? And God's a second chance. Well,
1: in my my case, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, hundredth, and all (laughs) the other.
0: (laughs) You know, it's such a a place of strength when you can look at your past, um, look at your failures, and and stare it straight in the eye and and, and have your closet wide open. It's such a place of peace, too. So um, for those of people who are struggling with that, you know, it's worth the fight. Cause when you get there, it, it, it's like no turning back. So I encourage those and, who are struggling with that to, to, to keep going, you know.
1: Yeah. And to have no shame about your history. You know, I think that's the strength of my life is that I really have no shame about what I've gone through because I've come through it. And, and through the process, God has transformed my life and, uh, I'm not the man I used to be, but I'm a better man today because of what I what I once was.
0: Say that thing. Say that thing, Pastor. Say it. Say it again. Say
1: it again. <laughs> Girl, you sound like you in church this morning. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, you you have no idea. I'm already ready, ready to shout, I'm ready to shout, anticipating your next words so let me let me put it out there so we can get right into it. I really wanted people to hear a little bit about you so they could see um who you are and feel who you are as we flow into our topic choosing the right woman choosing the right woman yeah 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 i I think that um When I saw that, I just knew that that was something that we needed to cover, although you do speak on many, many topics, and I would just love to get you back in a couple more sessions because I think it's just so much, I think you have so much wisdom in terms of understanding the the dynamics of who we are. And, and, you know, just as a woman, uh, um, African-American woman, I just love really learning about our culture, just really learning about men, because it's really hard. I find it difficult to get men to articulate certain things. You know, we see them on the outside looking in, but it's really hard for them to explain and articulate things in a manner that most women can receive it. So I, I think that is just a blessing that that you are able to speak and share and, 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 and be so open with it. So, so choosing the right woman, uh, let's talk about some issues that, that fall into that and, and 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 why men choose the wrong women
1: how, how do they go about doing that well uh i and and again this comes out of um, that whole posting that whole video was made because primarily uh i i have a real calling and mission to speak to women i i really um empower women i have three daughters of my own And so most of my writings, most of my postings, I've even written books towards women's empowerment. But a young man reached out to me and he said, you know, speak to us. We need to hear, you know, you're telling the young women uh, what they need to look for in terms of uh, selecting a young man, but we need to hear what does it take to really identify the right woman. And the reason, I think the primary reason that uh, young men make the wrong choices. I think we've been socialized uh, into a certain mindset by way of media, by way of music. Everything has been sexualized. And so young men obviously are hypersexual. And when they begin to make their choices relative to women, it's always based on looks, it's always based on sex appeal, It's always based on, does she turn me on? Not realizing that all of the things that I just mentioned, look, sex appeal, and all these things, uh, from an external perspective, these things fade away with time. If If you marry a woman based on the way she looks today, live with her 20 years, 30 years, those things fade away. There has to be, of course, you know, you want to marry or you want to connect with someone that you you you' you're pleasant it's pleasant to be around and, and a pleasant person to look at, but you have to make your choices relative to relationships. If you plan on being a king, you have to choose a queen. And a queen is determined by internal qualities that are not seen on the surface. And so what I try to do is to educate young brothers to get beyond your flesh, get beyond the limits of, um, you know, fleshly impulses and the shallowness of of modern-day manhood and begin to investigate the true qualities of that woman's value. The Bible says, and, you know, and I'm a preacher, so my perspective is always from a biblical place first. The Bible says when God created man, the male, he then said it's not good for him to be alone. I will create for him and help me. God then made Eve to help Adam. Adam's assignment was to dominate. So God gave him a woman that was qualified to help him to dominate. So my first message to young man is, if a woman cannot help you to dominate or to master what God has put before you, she's not the right woman for you. If all she can do is just be a trophy wife, just a looker, but she has no intellectual content, she's not the right woman for you. Every man needs help. I'm a living witness. The reason God said we needed it is because we do need it. We need need a woman that can come into our lives and we need a woman that can empower us to be all that God has called us to be. So the first thing I, I mentioned, if you remember in that video, is that a man needs an intelligent woman. And some some pushed back, and and uh, some women I don't know I don't know why women were pushing back against any of that content in that video, but one woman said, well a uh, man needs more than a woman with education, and da-da-da-da-da. And I had to come back and explain that I wasn't talking about education because, quite frankly, some of the most uh, foolish women I know are educated. But a man needs a woman that leads with her mind, a woman that leads with her mind, a woman that is a thinker. And the reason a man needs a thinking woman is because the man needs a partner that is capable of holding him accountable. A man needs a partner that can help him to think through the various mazes of greatness. The 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 I believe one of the key things that destroys relationships is when there's not an a capacity to have conversation that is meaningful. So the first thing I say is that a man yeah. needs a woman that is intelligent.
0: Intelligent. Okay, I got that noted. That that's given. Okay. So now, and after this, an intelligent woman. What's the next thing you think he needs? And and, and, and before you go into the, to the next one, let me just remind our callers who are just tuning in. This is R. C. Blake with us, our topic, Choosing the Right Woman. So if you have any questions or comments, please don't hesitate to press the one so we can get you in queue. We just went through the intelligent woman need, um, and so let us, let's move on to what your second concept is for choosing the right woman. Because I, I, I think sometimes, sometimes the women are just, just too intelligent. You said that he needs an intelligent woman. Sometimes I think that what what if she's, what if the woman is so intelligent that she is really kind of dominating the relationship? So is it intelligent according to his capacity? You know where you know they say if you're the smartest person on your team, you need a new team. So how, how just so that we can be clear uh, about how you see that theory?
1: Okay, well this this is this is how I see that. I, I believe that from both sides, male or female that we should we should connect based on compat- compatibility. The Bible calls it being equally yoked. And when the Bible uses that phraseology, being equally yoked, uh, it speaks of more than just two people that go to church together and believe in God. I believe mm. people are equally yoked when they're intellectually compatible, okay. when they have a common vision, they want to go to the same place in life. You know, so you don't you don't connect you don't connect stallions with donkeys or eagles with chickens. You know, we connect eagles with eagles, stallions with stallions. But even if a stallion is 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 yoked to another stallion, for instance my wife and I, um I consider myself to be an intelligent man. You know, I, I don't feel inferior to my wife intellectually. But there are Aspects of our relationship and our vision, our, our, our collective vision, that uh, she's smarter in. She knows more about certain areas of life and business than I do. They're areas where I'm, you know, dominant in terms of know how. So, as a man, as a secure man, knowing that I need an intelligent woman, I allow my wife to lead in those areas where she's intelligent. Where I, where I may lack, and she has more, I allow her to lead. So when I lead, rather, when I say a man needs an intelligent woman, he does not need a woman that he has to feel inferior to, but he needs okay. a woman that that adds, that adds to the plan, adds to the vision, that can empower him in areas. For instance, I like in relationships and choosing people. Uh, to spend your life with, to the process that a good CEO goes through. Any good CEO always staffs his or her weaknesses. He finds people who are smarter in the areas of his weaknesses than he is. And as a consequence, the whole team succeeds. Because at the end of the day, dominion is a team sport. So a man has to have a woman that, that brings intellectual property, intellectual content into the relationship if he's going to maximize. There's a point that a man gets to that you just got to have more on your arm than just a good looker, you know. High heels, and a low is, high heels and a low IQ is still a bad look.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. And there's nothing All more right.
1: unattractive than a beautiful woman that has no intelligence. Yeah.
0: All right. I get that. I got it. I'm glad you broke that down and and made it clear. Uh, I I definitely understand that theory. Let's so let's move along to another another um, way of choosing the right woman. What what also should men be looking for?
1: A man so needs far, a woman. So far, I'm, so far,
0: I'm so far, we we do that I'm one in one. So I guess okay. My man needs a woman that. <laughs>
1: He needs a woman that is uh unapologetically self respecting uh, too often today uh sisters my dear my dear sisters uh compromise themselves to be accepted and the reality is that a man needs a woman that is unapologetically self respecting that has standards, establishes those standards, and will not uh, shrink back from those standards. Because I believe in life, not only in relationships, but in life in general, we teach people how to treat us. And a man has to have a woman that has boundaries and forces those boundaries, and a, and a woman that he knows he can only go so far with because if a man can disrespect a woman, he then writes off and he begins to look elsewhere. A man is always looking for a woman that is self-respecting. He needs that because he needs to be certain. If a man can disrespect his woman, he's then left with the mindset that she can be disrespected by another man in the streets. A man has to have a woman that holds her own because a man by nature is dominant, by nature. And any man that is not dominant, in many cases I'll say, since I'm not a woman, I won't say definitely, but more than likely any man that is not a dominant personality is not going to be attractive to a woman long term. So because he's dominant, He has to have a woman who knows who she is and holds her own and holds him in a place of accountability relative to how he treats her. When we look at society today, brothers get away with a lot of stuff that they shouldn't be getting away with because many times the sisters who've not had fathers in place to establish their self-esteem are allowing it because they're searching for acceptance. So a man meets a woman that is unapologetically self-respecting. You know, my father, for instance, I watched, these are lessons I learned from a child. Uh, my father never used vulgarity with my mother. My father never acted as though he was going to ever get aggressive with my mother because he knew that the day he did that, my mother was out of the door. She had established She had established who she was, what she would stand for, what she wouldn't. And my father respected that all of his days, all of his 74 years. He respected that. Mm -hmm. So a woman that that has a high sense of self-respect will always attract a king. Good stuff.
0: Good stuff. Good stuff. You you mentioned that a man that is not dominant, that's not a dominant man, wouldn't uh, be there long term. How do you, how, how do you define that?
1: Well, you know there there are of course this is a new day, and I come from a different school, and the school mm-hmm. I come from, I, I I would define it as classical manhood, classical womanhood, and that means that the man has the mindset to provide, to protect, to lead, to guide, and all of these kinds of things. And, of course, he needs a woman who's comparable. I don't believe that the woman is behind the man. I believe she's side by side with the man. He needs a woman that is comparable uh, to his personality. But today, in today's society, because we have generations of, of young men in particular age, who have not been fathered? They've been raised by their mothers because dad, many times, was absent. The sense of classical manhood, that strength, you know, uh, that a woman looks for, that you know, the man that she can lean on when, 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 when mm-hmm. times get tight and rough. That sense of security is absent from the personalities of many of the young brothers today because they've not seen manhood, classical manhood, modeled. They've been raised in environments where they've had no model of manhood. So today they become more passive. We have this generation is more passive. My generation was was a lot more assertive. I wouldn't say aggressive, but assertive. And, you know, take lead, take, take charge, take the lead. And so when a woman got with us, she felt a sense of security. You know, she didn't feel like if, yeah. If there's a struggle in the street, I don't. I have a man here that that can't protect me. I won't protect me. But this generation, you know, we we have we have men that are, are somewhat passive. They they really expect the woman to be the provider, and and it's just kind of a confused dynamic that I don't fully understand or grasp. But a man has to have a woman, or man, should I say, has to live before a woman. As a sense of strength, as a mm-hmm. as a sense of as a sense of uh, found, as being the foundation, uh, she can't look at him and, and wonder, or, or imagine, or see herself rather as being stronger than he is in times of uh, difficulty. I hope I'm being yeah. clear.
0: Yeah, yeah, I I, I think. Um... Yeah, you you are being clear, and and it sounds to me, I know with my own experience dating someone like that or seeing that, you tend to lose respect for for men who who don't stand up, who don't take charge, who don't lead, who don't speak up. So I I see that more and more. But what what i found is that in raising these these men, when you kind of look at their parenting that they had or the home style that, that they were in when they were being raised, you see how mom has or you know, has really um Cater to the child and really not develop the boy to just to do things or just to take lead. All decisions were made were made for them, you know. And 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 they run to their aid and they don't really have chores. They don't really have responsibilities. And then they leave the home of mom and 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 mate with, with someone who who is like mom, you know.
1: Absolutely, and and they expect they expect the woman to to coddle and to, you know, uh, baby, to pay their bills. And, you know, sometimes women settle. I've seen women in our church, for instance, who settled for uh, brothers uh, who were more passive and, and the roles were kind of skewed. And uh, she thought or they thought that it would last, but it wasn't long before, as you just put it, she lost interest. Because the dynamic was off. A woman needs a man that is undeniably strong, holds his position, a man that is man enough to respect her role and not be intimidated by her, but a man that is also man enough to hold his role, to have an opinion and to hold his opinion and to not flinch. She needs a man that's going to be assertive.
0: Yeah, no, you are. Know, I'm, I'm curious as as to what you would say to uh, a man like that if you had to um, mentor someone or they came in for help, and and in your observation of of, of them interacting, you see this behavior in him because it, it, it sounds like if, if he's demonstrating this, you know, he's probably had this characteristic a long time, you know. So how do how do you say how do you say it? What, what do you say?
1: Well, he, he's when you when you see a man like this he's been he's been it's many times it's really no fault of his own. you kind of mentioned it most of the time it goes back to being overmothered um i I remember distinctly conversations between my mother and my father, having the great privilege as a as a black man to have been raised in a home with mom and dad both there. I saw both sides there were times when. My mother uh, wanted to pamper, wanted to coddle, and my dad would say, you know, Lois, you know, please back up and let me and my son handle this. And my Mm. father would, you know, bring me to a place of accountability as a man. Uh, My father would make me step up to the plate and fulfill my responsibilities. For instance, my mom saw my brother uh, playing football, and she wanted to pull him out immediately. It was my father that stepped in and said, no, 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 we're not pulling him out. He's going to play football. I would say to a young man that uh, is in that, of that mindset, uh, number one, you know, I I would have to make it clear that no one one counseling session would solve this. This young man or these kinds of men really now need a strong male figure in their lives that can, number one, hold them accountable and then be a sense of guidance for them. This is where I think in the black community, uh, in particularly where this problem uh, is is really serious, I think the black Mm -hmm. church and the black preacher has to play a major role in renewing the minds of our young men because they've been mama to death. Now they really need fathers. (laughs) So since the natural fathers have not been present, now the spiritual fathers have to really speak truth to these guys, and we have to bring them into farms and into settings where we can begin to somewhat give them a crash course on manhood, and then then hold them accountable to following through.
0: Mm. All right. Good stuff. Good stuff. Very, very, very informative. Very informative. So now, so now that we've got the man back on track identified that he he needs to be dominant. Let's get let's get back to him choosing the right woman. What what's another thing that that would be helpful in helping him to choose the right woman?
1: I think a man has to. Uh, and these are you know th- this is a conversation that I have with my one son, my final child, my fourth child was my son. So he's the baby, but I'm 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 teaching him now how to choose the right woman. Um The third thing I would say is that a man has to have a confident woman there's nothing more destructive to a healthy relationship than any part of that relationship or any partner in that relationship that is insecure and an insecure woman an insecure woman um can be toxic in fact is definitely toxic to the well-being of the relationship, and, and she can also be toxic uh, to the the vision and the progress of the unit. He needs a woman that is confident, a woman that is um, uh, self-assured, a woman that is not intimidated by other women, because the reality is that in society today, there, there are going to be all kinds of opportunities and temptations, and a man needs a woman who knows who she is, believes in believes in herself and her value, and can stand her own ground without flinching. Because I liken the relationship to building a kingdom. There's a reason a king chooses a queen. It takes queen to be able to fit into the dynamics of a kingdom. If a woman is not confident it opens the door for all kinds of issues that would plague the relationship especially if he's an ambitious go-getter he has to have a woman who's of the same mindset
0: yeah yeah I, I actually know uh someone now who's going through that yeah he's a very ambitious man and he's with a a a woman who who was insecure and continually get, gets in the way of his drive. And so it's an ongoing battle with them, and and he actually feels that she doesn't support, you know, his vision, and and, um, he's missed opportunities for um, greater advancement and deals and um, just partnerships. Yeah, he's missed because somehow she monkey-wrenches the plan every time. It's a hot mess, She's just a
1: beast. Yeah. So i Well, to... <laughs> well you know, I, I I see it all of the time and I really thank God uh for my wife. Uh, mm. because you know, my life my life is, is uh filled with interacting with women um on a daily basis, multiple times a day. And you know, my wife never has a a, a an issue or a struggle. Um, women actually called my wife to get to me. And there are a lot of women who couldn't deal with that. You know, there are a lot of opportunities that I, I that have advanced our family, our ministry, uh, that have come through powerful women. And it was because my wife was never intimidated or insecure. My wife always facilitated, you know, whatever needed to be facilitated. I, I was going to live in the South. I was I was going to the West Coast, and a young woman wanted to meet me in the, on the West Coast. And so they put her in contact with my wife. My wife arranged the meeting that when I would arrive there, she arranged a meeting. And I asked myself, well, how many women would do that, you know, without uh, giving a brother the third degree, or I have to go with you, or, you know, who is this, and and all of these kinds of things. Of course, of course, let me say this to be fair. Of course, I live with my wife in a fashion that she can trust me. Mm-hmm. You know, so sometimes sometimes brothers breed a sense of insecurity in women because we're not really handling our relationships transparently or everything's not on top of the table. But just speaking from the terms of all things being equal, brothers living right, you know, nothing hidden, he, you know, he, he's, his life is an open book. He cannot have a woman that's insecure and, and scared and afraid he has to have a woman that's comparable. Going back to our original statement, eagles are to connect with eagles. You know, stallions should connect with stallions, lions with lions. So he has to have a woman that is confident because, as you just put it, if he doesn't, she will get in the way of the progress.
0: Now, now, now R.C., in choosing the right woman, I, I kind of get, I, I get your theories and I get them, but I, I can't help in the back of my mind, I'm factoring in the disparity of age in choosing the right woman. Even with me, feel like I'm an intelligent woman. I feel like I'm grounded. I feel like I have a sense of being objective. Even if I was looking at choosing the, the right man, the, the man that I would choose at 20 is not the man that I would probably choose at 30 and, and at 40. So I'm looking at the concept of choosing the white right woman. I'm hearing the breakdown and... Mm-hmm a guy making a decision at 30, you know, he's deciding, you know, sometimes sometimes we start relationships right out of college, you know, in, in your 20 year mark and you choose that person, but as you grow and you mm-hmm. learn and you experience life, you come to find out this is not the right person, you know, and and so divorce and, and things like that happen. So for choosing the right woman, don't you think that age and wisdom and life experiences factor into how you perceive intelligence, how you perceive self-respecting, how you perceive confidence. is based on your ability to perceive those things as well as to understand who you are because, you know, we evolve. And, you know, so that factors in too, don't
1: you think? Absolutely. And, and the one thing that I teach young people in our ministry, and wherever I get a chance, whatever platform I have, I really teach them, you know, like my daughter. Here's a prime example. And I just had this conversation two days ago with my my 18-year-old daughter who we're dropping off uh, to college. She's going far out of town. Uh, Sunday, we're bringing her to college. My wife's (laughs) bringing her and dropping off to college. The conversation, she and I spent the entire day together the other day, and the conversation I had with her said, now, you're going there to really get your life on course. I, I really I really would like for you to avoid the falling in love trap. You don't need to go and fall in love right now because this is a time of self discovery and you're so correct. So often we make these decisions, these long term relational decisions, before we know before we really know who we are. And I really counsel young people to really take your twenties to discover who you are. And somewhere around those late twenties, early thirties, begin to investigate you know you know try to try to hold yourself to just having you know casual relationships late twenties, early thirties, begin to investigate other people relative to the compatibility and by that, I mean you know when we use the term dating when we use the term dating, we're usually talking about going to dinner, going to a movie, going to the club, or whatever these young people do, uh, and just having a good time and making eyes at one another and, and trying to feel the, the sexual tension. But the purpose of dating is not for those things. The purpose of dating is to gather the data. And I believe that whatever age you are, if you're wise enough, if somebody has... Taught you how to ask the right questions, not questions pertaining to the chemistry of right now, but ask questions that speak to the future what are you What are you looking to accomplish in twenty years? Where are you trying to be in thirty years? How do you view parenting? How do you view money? How do you view uh you know marriage and, and being faithful mm-hmm. when you When you ask those kinds of questions, it gives you a glimpse of what that person more than likely could possibly be in the future and then you can match your future self with that individual but most of the times we make these decisions these these long-term decisions based on immediate chemistry that fades away as you put it as we evolve so you know i'm in i'm in total agreement that it does require a a specific and definite intent to get a feel for who this person not only who this person is but who this person will become. And so when, when um, do,
0: go, go ahead. When do, when do when when do you say okay this, this 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 ain't for me right here? Let's say you you, you know you, you meet you meet the guy and, and and you're dating and things are working out and you know as we be, as we know as we be, more time with people, we begin to see them in different elements, and you see how they, how they act with with their friends, with their families, and things like that. Um, how they are on their jobs, and then you start to see some things, and you like, mm, well, you know, th- th- this ain't together here. Like for example, the closet began to get exposed, and you like, mm-hmm. oh well, he a little, here a little unorganized. And, and you see flaws. How do you gauge to wait, or 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 did this? is this not for me? Because some women have been known to kind of walk away too soon because the men are so immature. How do you how do you help women to kind of foresee when when to hold out and wait and, and when? Because I hear a lot of my girlfriends that, you know, north of 40 and 50, they be like, look, I ain't got this, this, and that. I ain't got time for this. And, and they're ready to move on. So when, how do you gauge that? Should I wait? Because cause we feel like this is your second time you've been married. We got grown kids, we tend to have a little less patience to be waiting for things to happen.
1: hmm Well, I'll put it to you this way. Um, <laughs> now, I'm I'm 51 years old, so I have I have some experience in life. And the main thing, any relationship, be it from the male perspective or the female perspective, the main thing any relationship is going to have to have to successfully move into decades of a future, hopefully a lifetime of a future, that person is going to have to always be able to stimulate you intellectually. Because as 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 life goes on, as time goes on, all of these other things fade away. But the day you wake up and you just you're totally bored, disinterested with this individual, I, I promise you, that is the day that you really need to begin to exercise, or at least start planning your exit strategy, because it's not going to work. Lisa and I have, um, Lisa and I have been married for 20 years, and there are a lot of changes that happen in 20 years, and there are times where our life is structured that, you know, the romance thing is not always clicking because we're tired, your energy is down at this age, your energy is down, we're running all over the place, schedules conflict, we're missing. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we're we're apart for a week, two weeks at a time, and yet when we come together, it's always like it was the first time we met. It's because we connected more on, we connect more on a spiritual and intellectual level than we did physically. So I would say when a person does not stimulate you intellectually and when a person is not supportive of who you are, who you're trying to be, when a person begins to try to diminish uh, or get you to compromise your personal goals, I think that's a red flag. Uh, when a person begins to make you feel bad about who you are and, and uh, what you're trying to accomplish. When you feel bad in a relationship, I think that's a I think that's a flag. I think any relationship that is going to really go the distance has to has to be intellectually stimulating.
0: I I have a comment from someone that has said uh, choosing the right woman. Is is not really the problem. It's keeping the right woman. So what could be a reason why, if he's chosen the right woman, he, he can't he can't keep her? Is is that what you mean about uh, sustaining him or her intellectually? Is could that be it, or is there some other reason? Because you know, some some men do 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 realize that, even in myself, to be transparent, even in myself, just dating before, and I've, I've met guys, and we dated, and they and they would say, you know, years in this relationship, I knew when I met you that you were the woman for me, and, and instead of him being, um, he wasn't where he needed to be to really mm-hmm. sustain a, a good foundation, but at the same time, you know she a good catch. And so you know you, you pretend to be where you should be until such time that it, it reveals itself, and then you know then a chick like me got be like, okay. This ain't gonna work. So how 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 do they keep? How, how is that?
1: Well, I, 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 and I whoever made that comment, I mean, I just applaud them because I love thinking, and I think the real issue there is not so much it's 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 not that um, well he chose the right woman, but. At that place, the woman didn't choose the right man. It has to go both ways. The woman has to also, yeah, you know, he chose the right woman. And I I agree with you. Brothers choose the right woman every day, but they're not mature enough to know what they chose. And because they're not mature enough to know what they chose, they can't keep it. You know, it's kind of like a friend of mine who had, many years ago, he had a Rolls Royce. And I said to him, I said, I was a very young kid. I said, man, I want one of these. He said, man, if I gave it to you, you couldn't afford to even maintain it. So the woman has to also make certain that she's choosing the right man. this is why my ministry to women's empowerment is more emphasized than my ministry to brothers, because women have to be able to look beyond the surface and the game. They have to get beyond the game because it's vital that a woman chooses the right man we're talking about the man choosing the right woman but it's more important for the woman to choose the right man mm.
0: yeah.
1: and brothers that brothers that choose the right woman and can't keep it a brothers listening right now and he said man I've had three great women and 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 all of them are gone well now you got to look in the mirror you know man I used to be <laughs> hey can I be transparent right now can I, may I be transparent I used to be I used to be that guy. You know, I, I had um no problem attracting women and I would have a lot of great women but I would always break their hearts, I'd always do something that would sabotage the relationship and it was one day after I had lost everything. When I say lost everything, I mean I was to the point that I was back at my parents' house sleeping in the same bed. That I grew up in as a child, I had lost everything, and I was sitting in that house with absolutely nothing because of my own doing, and I had to have a trans I had to have an introspective moment where I looked at myself and I realized the errors of of my way, and I began to tweak and I began to change and it was my mother who had a very candid conversation with me and told me in no uncertain terms of what a fool I had made of myself and that I should change certain things in my perspective. And what I had to do was I had to really pull away from relationships to find myself. And then when I found myself, I grew up. Because a man is beyond 21 does not mean he's not a boy. Many times you're dealing with grown boys. mhm. So a man has to mature. He has to grow up. But a man, in my opinion, in my opinion, these are just my thoughts. A man cannot. Rarely does a man really come into maturity without the oversight of another man. This is where I think pastors and, you know, community leaders play a major role. Coaches, especially in the black community, young black men have to have a man that they respect that will model the standard. And we'll hold them accountable, and then we'll produce uh, a better generation of young men, fire young women, fire young sisters. So a brother needs to choose the right woman, but if he if he's not the right man, he won't be able to hold on to her.
0: Yeah. So I, I have another question that 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 um, has come to us and I don't know why my listeners are not pressing one instead of texting me the question that they, they could really get on cue and ask it themselves, but perhaps they're they're shy. But the, the other question is, um, how do you handle, um, if you choose the right woman, how is it that she, how do you know whether she can handle adversity?
1: How do you know if she can handle adversity? Yeah. I have this thing, now this is just me, you know, this is just me. And, of course, I want you all to understand that. Everybody has their own way of doing things. But for me personally, um, I believe relationships have to be tested. We we don't put people through testing before we commit our lives to them. Uh, to me, that's insane. I believe that every woman, every man, every individual should create in his or her life a convenient crisis this is not necessarily um, a lie, but it is an opportunity to discern the reaction of a person, to uh, or their capacity to be able to handle, manage uh, certain times of adversity. Like I say to young women, for instance, if you you're really testing a young man to see if he's husband material, is he saying he he wants to go the distance with you? Well, just you know, in a conversation, don't ask for anything, but just act like you're you're in his. Is doing. You don't have the money. Just act like you don't have it, and see how he responds. You know, if he doesn't call you back, you've done your favor. If he calls you back and says, "I got you," you know, you, now you know you're working with something. I believe we should test people. Uh, we should test people's loyalty. We should test people's capacity to be able to endure uh, certain uh, pressures in life before. We commit our, ourselves to them. That's just my opinion.
0: You know what? You know what? I see life. If you if you would just trust yourself to be transparent, life will create an avenue or option for you to test them. You know, if you just, because, you know, you know, with black families, we always got something going on. You can just talk about somebody else's situation and tell the person that and see how they respond. You can you can That's really exactly see right. who they are then, you know, because there's always something going on. You know, there's always a relative or friend who has a situation, and if you would just, you know, be transparent and just share it and see what the person say, you can definitely get a glimpse of, of who they are and how they were handling and I believe that when when they show you that the first time you can believe it because that's exactly who they are.
1: Yeah. Um I would say I would say also to young women uh a great way to test a man's capacity to be able to hold you down when you're going through a difficult season in your life uh is to do exactly what you said that is to share some form of crisis and see See his level of um, interaction, conversation. Uh, does he, if, if you share crisis with him, does he kind of brush it off and move on to the next subject, or does he ask questions? Does he dig deeper? Does he really connect with you? Does he look you in your eye to see how you're, how you're really feeling? Does he have opinions? Because if a man, if a man does not connect with you in conversation relative to some difficulty in your life more than likely it's going to be a problem for him to really, you know, hold you down if you have a real serious crisis moving forward in the future. I believe just watching a man's level of engagement, you know, with with whatever you might dealing with, be dealing with now uh, can be a major, major signal as to where that brother is,
0: mm-hmm.
1: maturity-wise.
0: Maturity-wise, yeah. Wow. I I have really enjoyed uh, uh, talking with you
1: uh,
0: about this, and I've gotten some comments that people feel that they have really um, got something uh, as well. So if if this uh, broadcast has been a blessing to you, please go to the website, coffeetalkwithsoy.com, post your comments, share how, how you have been blessed or not, by this information was it useful to you and and then share it share it with others Arcee, where can the listeners um, get more information about you? Again, um, before he um, drops that, let me let you know that he is the co-pastor of New Hope Family Worship Center of Louisiana and Texas. And he shared with us earlier that there are several um, several churches in the Louisiana area. So look him up. Um, he does have a YouTube channel where he talked about a lot of different things. Um, I found it to be a blessing. So please share. Where the audience can get more information and, and find you.
1: I man, I'm all over social media. They can find me on Facebook uh, at R.C. Blake's Periscope, at RSC Blake's Instagram, at R.C. Blake's uh, Twitter, RSC underscore Blake's. Uh, they can also pick up my. Well, they can go to my website, uh, rcblakes.com. dot com and i'd like for them to to look into picking up my book at amazon.com it's entitled the father daughter talk the father daughter talk but i'm everywhere in fact about it i have my own app they can they can go to android or or apple and, and, and download my app rc blake i'm everywhere
0: ah, i like i like that app thing download his app rc blake and download coffee talk with the way too. we are um we are just out there and, and doing things in our community to help build up stronger people, stronger relationships. Thank you so much for being on the broadcast. I really enjoyed the dialogue. Thanks for hanging out
1: with me. Thank you for having me.
0: It has been a wonderful hour of power. Please share this broadcast with others. Find me on social media under your new morning show. Have a great weekend, you all bye